Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. That was like the perfect last song before this message. And I'm I'm excited about what the Lord has to say to us tonight. Uh, I think this is probably one of the most encouraging messages that I've ever given. So you you want to you want to hear this. <laughs> so Father, I I pray you'd give us uh, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your Son and the depth of your love and your commitment to us. Uh, Lord, just uh, encourage us tonight. Strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. So <clears throat> there's there's something that uh, I, I've been hearing from the Lord uh, for, for some time, and it's it's something that can trip us up if if we're not careful and and that is we we can focus more on our weakness or our own failures than on his faithfulness and if if we if we focus too much on ourselves, our own weakness, immaturity, failures, whatever it is, uh, it, it hinders God's moving us forward in, in his faithfulness. So to, to fulfill our destiny and, and to walk in our true identity and, and the Lord is speaking to me about that too. And there's, there's a message series coming uh, pretty soon on uh, identity theft. And it isn't what is in the news. <laughs> it's the enemy robbing us, the people of God, of our true identity, who we really are, by lying to us. And the... The identity theft that's in the news is is really bad and painful, but the identity theft that I was just talking about is even more so because the consequences are eternal, affecting our eternal reward and our effectiveness in the eternal realm of God's kingdom on the earth. So anyway, that's for a future day. But the message today kind of has to do with having faith to be who God says that we are. And, you know, I, I've, I've believed this thing about not focusing too much on our own weakness, our own immaturity, our own failures. Uh, but I, I really, I, I needed a really good example from the Word of God that this is true. And, and I, I got a really good example. 
of this. And because we have to understand that when, when God chose you, when he chose me, uh, he knew what he was bargaining for. Uh, your failures, my failures, your weakness, my weakness, they, they don't surprise him. Okay? He, <laughs> he knows who we are at a deeper place than we do. And, and we, we have to understand that. Uh, he, he knew the fullness of, of who you are and who I am when he called our name, when he chose us. Because he tells us, you didn't choose me, I chose you. So, so have that clear from, from the very beginning. He chose us and he knew exactly what he was getting into. So that's, that's kind of the preface. And, and he is faithful and he will bring forth your destiny and my destiny until our will your will or my will steps in to stop it. Okay, that's, that's the only thing that can stop you and I from fulfilling our destiny in the kingdom of heaven. It's your will and my will. It's not the enemy. It's not other people and the things that they might do and Daniel, your your dad needs to hear this message. Somehow we got to send him the link or something, because this this is for him. Because nobody can steal our destiny, and God. Uh, I, I remember back when I went through this uh, Baptist study experience in God. Some of you maybe have been through that. And, and there, there was this truth that we learned that if, if you don't think you can hear God, it, it says more about what you believe about God than what you believe about yourself. And just that truth, uh, it changed things for me because I was one of those people. You know, I, I don't. I didn't think I could hear God because I thought I was such a mess. And when I actually got the truth of that, I thought, okay, well, if it depends more on him than on me, then I think we're okay. And, and that's really the whole basis of, of the message tonight is that this, this whole life and, and where we get in this life spiritually, it, it depends more on him than it does you and me. Because he is absolutely committed to you fulfilling your destiny and me fulfilling my destiny. And he has the power. So if, if we can just keep our will from saying no then it's smooth sailing. He's, he's going to do it. And, and so I, I love this prayer that Kim prays often, and I, I say, let's, let's all steal this prayer from Kim and use it for ourselves and 
everybody that we love. God, just remove all the no from me. And I, I just pray that over us tonight. God, remove all the no from us so that when you encounter us, when we encounter you, there's just a yes for you, for what you want to do. So, um, back to the faithfulness of God, because that's what the message is, is really about. It's, it's the faithfulness of God and how in, in the face of our, our failure, our weakness, our immaturity, and, and we, we have to realize this, that um, there's, there's a huge difference to God between our, our weakness and immaturity versus rebellion. Huge difference to God. On the outside, externally, they look the same. But, but God knows whether our, our failure that just happened is a result of our weakness and immaturity or whether it is from rebellion. And, and rebellion really has no place in, in people who have been born again. Because we have been given a new heart. Uh, a heart that is after God and the things of God. Uh, a heart that delights in God and the things of God. So, I, I think for, for all of us, the vast majority of the time, our, our failures are, are the result of our immaturity and weakness. It's not rebellion. And the enemy would like to get us to believe many times that it is rebellion. But the Lord will help us. And, and that's, that's what the message is about. And just as an intro to, to kind of prove the point initially, here's uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Because this kind of speaks of the intentions of God, okay? And, and this also, you may want to write this down, this is an incredibly awesome prayer for yourself. It's, it's one of those apostolic prayers uh, from Paul. And now, may the God of peace himself sanctify us completely, because that, that is his intention and it's his desire. And so when you pray this, you're praying the will of God over yourself. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Well, I really don't need to say any more because, I mean, that, that just says it right there. The, the desire of God is that we be sanctified completely and that our whole spirit, soul, and body would be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus because he who called you and me 
is faithful and and he will do it. It's not up to you or, or me to do it. He will do it. We just got to keep saying yes. And just get all the no out of us. I mean, that is such an amazing two verses. We, we, just, we need to put that on uh, our bathroom mirror and on the refrigerator. And just read it every time you're in front of the mirror and every time you open the refrigerator. And those two verses alone will build our faith. So, anyway, the Lord wants to get us to the place where we have more hope and faith in Him, the God who is within us, His faithfulness, His power, than our own failures and weaknesses. And it, it kind of goes back to the message from last week that was about the power of the indestructible life that is within us and how that power, the power of that indestructible life of God that is within you and me as believers, it will overcome everything except a human will that says, no, no more. I'm not going any farther. I'm not doing that. That's, that's when we hit a roadblock. Like I-25 this morning. <laughs> I guess that caused some real problems today because there, there was a roadblock right there. Both directions were going nowhere. So we, we just got to make sure we don't put the roadblocks up and he who is faithful will do it. So... Um, <clears throat> Who is this great example? You know, the, the first one I thought about as an example of this was David. Because we know God made incredible promises to David. I mean, he, he made a covenant with David that someone from his house would sit on the throne forever. I mean, what an amazing covenant. But then we know that he had this episode with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah that, that was, I mean, you, you talk about evil sin. I mean, it, it, was, it was bad. But God, to show himself so faithful to his covenant with David, uh, I mean, many bad things happened in David's life. It's not like there were no consequences to the Bathsheba incident. Uh, I mean, his firstborn son ends up getting killed. Uh, his third son ends up trying to take the throne from him, actually does it for a time. Uh, I mean, he, he went through some reaping of that which he had sown. But God, to show the depth of his acceptance of David, even after, puts the firstborn son who lived of Bathsheba on the throne after David. And, and puts him in the, line, the lineage of Jesus. Whew. I mean, I think that's a pretty good example. 
but the the next one is uh, is is I think even more powerful because it it involves God directly interacting with the weak person. God in the person of Jesus and the weak person being Peter. So, Peter was tested and he failed the test. But yet, look at Acts chapter (laughs) 2. And the rest of the book of Acts. Uh, there, there was a, a stumbling, uh, an episode of, of weakness in, in the life of Peter that, that he thought should have derailed everything. But thankfully, the Lord thought differently. And that is the good news. So, the first thing I want to look at is uh, the call of of Peter. Uh, there there are times in in our lives when the Lord speaks forth destiny in into our lives. And and those those are precious times when when the Lord speaks forth destiny, and and this happened with Peter, and and this really is is the best uh, use operation of the spiritual gift of prophecy, because it it releases vision, it releases prophetic vision for for your life when the Lord speaks forth into our destiny, begins to reveal pieces of it. It's, so it's, it's something that, that we need to hold on to, <laughs> sometimes with all of our might, but, but we need to not stop hoping and believing that what the Lord said is going to come to pass. So... <clears throat> We're, we're starting tonight in, in Matthew 16 with the calling or the revelation of destiny, the speaking forth of destiny by Jesus in, into the life of Peter. So Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. I tell you, 
And he changes his name right here from Simon to Peter. You are Peter. And on this rock, which is what Peter means, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So, on, on the rock, not really of Peter, but on the rock of the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, on that foundational truth, the church is built upon, but yet, he was speaking, a, speaking forth a destiny of the life of Peter that, that he was going to be foundational to the church. That was part of what Jesus was saying. And, and I, I can, I, I mean, we, we understand that, that Peter was a bold man. He, he may have been one of the older of the disciples, uh, and, and that would have given him some stature among the twelve. Uh, and, and he just got the kudos for being the first to maybe answer the most important question that Jesus ever asked his disciples. And, and then Jesus speaks forth this amazing destiny to him. So you, you've got to imagine that after this, he, he was riding pretty high, thinking that, you know, if, if the other disciples would just probably stand near him, they, their stature would, would probably go up. I mean, this, this is, I think this is really true. I, I think Peter thought a great deal of himself before this interaction, but he thought much higher of himself after. So something had to happen. And, and this, this is part of the story that uh, not very many people are willing to talk about, but, but it really is true that that something had to happen to Peter, to the heart of Peter, so that he would be able to fulfill his destiny. Because in, in the condition of, of his heart at this moment, it was not going to happen. It, God just couldn't use him that way. Uh, he, he had to become broken somehow, and, and he had to become humble somehow uh, for God to use him as, as a foundation stone for the church. And so this, this is what happens. 
there's, there's a minor test that happened to Peter in Matthew 28, or 26, rather. And we're going to look at this just briefly. Because we're, we're going to look at two accounts tonight of, of the Last Supper and what was spoken and what happened right after the Last Supper. Uh, we're going to look both at Matthew and Luke because their accounts are just a little bit different in the detail that's included, and, and we need both. So in Matthew's account, at the end of the supper, we'll pick up in, in Matthew 26, verse 30. And when they had sung, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I, I am with you, Jesus. I, I will never fall away. Even if everyone else on, on earth does, I am with you, Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And it gets worse for poor Peter. <laughs> The poor guy, he, he just, he hadn't learned to shut his mouth yet. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Hmm. And all the disciples said the same. And, and you know, after, when, when one person says something like that, Every in 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 a circle of friends, you know, every, everybody kind of has to. Well, yeah, I'm I'm with you too. Like, yeah, I'll I'll never. Yeah, just what he said. Yeah, and so they all make make the same commitment. But everything really is on Peter's shoulders because he's the one who said it first. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. So he leaves nine, actually eight at this point, and he takes three a little further. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. 
And he said to Peter, because <laughs> he's the focal point of this, this whole incident, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And, and we have to see something in the eight and, and the three in Jesus. There's, there's a proximity. And intimacy is, is about proximity. It's about nearness. And intimacy is, is about likeness. We, we can only be intimate with, with people who are like us. It's, it's very hard, I, I think really almost impossible, to, to be really intimate in, in friendship with someone who is very, very different from you. Uh, I mean, the, the Bible says, can, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And, and so Peter, James, and John had, had chosen... I really think this was available to all 12. But, but only those three chose to be nearer to Jesus. And, and so, you know, we, we see this many times where Jesus would only take the three sometimes, uh, like up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, and the others didn't get to see that. There... There's an open invitation for all of us to greater intimacy with Jesus. But we've got to position ourselves nearer to him. We, we've got to make ourselves, and, and this, this needs to be presented in a little more balanced way than I can do tonight, but we, we have to make ourselves more like him. Even though that is his work, okay. But what I'm what I'm saying is the the holiness of God. If if we allow just a bunch of junk in, into our lives, and, and last week was probably a better message about this than what I can get into tonight uh, about intimacy. But for a, one of us as the people of God to really become intimate with the Lord, we. We've got to seek holiness because the, the holy God will, will not allow someone to come and, and be intimate with him if there's just a bunch of junk and garbage that we're allowing in our lives. Anyway, that's, that's all I have time to say about that. Because the real test is, is about to take place in the life of Peter. So we're going to turn to, and, and so I guess what, I, what I'm really wanting to say about that is Peter had positioned himself in the intimate place with Jesus. He was, he was one of the three closest people on earth to Jesus. I mean, he heard Jesus from very near proximity when Jesus said, and those who deny me 
on earth, I will deny before my Father in heaven. He heard Jesus say that. And he made note to self, never deny Jesus on earth. Oops, we're about to see what happens. Luke 22, Luke's version of the Last Supper, uh, starting in verse 28. Jesus is speaking to the twelve. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And this, I mean, this is amazing stuff, because, I mean, <laughs> James and John, they, they got their mother to come to Jesus and ask for this. You remember that? <laughs> they, they send a Jewish mother to the Lord to... And I imagine that, that she got it right in his face, as a Jewish mother would, <laughs> and, and boldly asked for her two sons to sit one on Jesus' right and one on his left in his kingdom so they could rule with him. I mean, that's, that's how much James and John wanted to rule with Jesus and be with Jesus. They had positioned themselves also. Yeah, sorry, I lost my, my place here. Um, <clears throat> okay. Verse 31. Simon, Simon. And again, notice that he says Simon, not Peter. Interesting, because this is this is the Last Supper, and he's already changed his name. Behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And then Peter. <laughs> Uh, Matthew also remembered this part. Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me, deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. So the Lord lays it out for Peter. And, and we know uh, it was Peter's pride that the enemy knew of. And, and he knew he, he could just, he could set the right trap and that pride was going to just take Peter out. And that's what the enemy wanted. But, but Jesus prayed for him. 
Wow. Jesus prayed that Peter would be able to fulfill his destiny. And that's, you know, Jesus has prayed that for you. He's ever at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Prayed it for you. So we we got to look at Peter's failure. Uh, it's just a little bit later in Luke 22. Judas has betrayed Jesus at Gethsemane. They've taken Jesus to the high priest's home, and they're they're going through the accusations the 11 fled with the possible exception of John because in one of the gospels we we read that John was was there and he's the one who let Peter in to the courtyard so at at the very least, 10 of the 12. I mean, one betrayed Jesus, so that's... Uh, and maybe one stuck around to watch where Jesus went. Maybe two, John and Peter, so that John could let Peter in to see what was happening. And this is where we pick up in uh, John 21, verse 15. Oops, sorry, we're going there next. Luke twenty-two fifty-four. Then they seized him, Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And, and remember, this, this is pretty bold of Peter, because he's the one who chopped off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And they're at the high priest's house. Yeah, Jesus healed him and reattached the ear. <laughs> but, but still, I, I mean, you've you got to know that it took some guts for him to show up there. So they kindled the fire and Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, looked closely at him and said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And, and do you think right then he remembered, Ooh. Those who deny the Son of Man on earth Son of Man will deny before his father. Maybe he didn't have that twinge just yet. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, 
You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Oof. That that had to be. You just you want to know what that look was like. As you know, only about sixty percent of our communication is is verbal. The rest of it is facial and body expressions. Yeah, you just. I mean, you know at that moment. For sure, Peter remembered what Jesus said about denying him. And and he was certain at that moment, when Jesus, the rooster crows and Jesus looks at him, it's over. My, my life, any opportunity I ever had for eternity with Jesus, over, done. I I am the lowest of the low. I I am the one Jesus warned us about as as he taught and showed them the hypocritical hearts of the Pharisees so many times. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Ah. So, very few of us uh, have a, a story of our weakness our immaturity, our failure that can hold a candle to Peter's. I mean, three and a half years with the Lord. One of the three most intimate friends that Jesus had on on the earth. He, he saw it all. He heard it all from, from Jesus' own voice. And, and, and not, not only all that, but he, he was the one who, who spoke all, made all those bold proclamations that I'm, I'm ready to die with you, Jesus. Even if everybody else on earth turns on you, I won't. And phew, he did. So the end of the story is our great hope. Because 
this isn't the end of the story. Uh, we know this led to Jesus' crucifixion. And, and we see John there. But we don't see Peter. But we do know that Peter was the one who beat John to the empty tomb <laughs> when they heard the news. So it wasn't as if he, he had completely left the other disciples. They, they were all just in, in such a uh, stupor, I, I would have to call it, of trying to make some understanding of, of what had happened that they, they had to come together and just to try to make it uh, through that. But after the resurrection, and after Jesus began to reveal himself, show himself to the disciples, we have this amazing story in John 21, of Jesus publicly restoring Peter. Uh, starts in, in verse 15 of John 21. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, again, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he, Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. And then Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after, after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Hmm. 
there are some <clears throat> some really interesting parallels between this passage and the time when Peter denied the Lord three times. Both of the incidents happened in front of a fire. And while Peter denied Jesus three times, in Jesus' restoration of Peter, he was given the opportunity to confess three times the truth that, that he did love Jesus. And, and in both cases, Jesus uses the, the emphasis of, of the double amen, truly, truly, in, in both instances, when he was warning Peter about what was to happen, and when he restores Peter after it happened. Because Jesus knew. That, that is the amazing part. Just like God knows your story and, and my story. He, he knows now. He knew when he called Peter. He knew when he called you. Now, there's, there's some interesting details of the conversation between Jesus and Peter. The first time Jesus asks him the question, Jesus asks him, Do you love me more than these? And I imagine Jesus, do you love me more than these? Because he's, he's, he's restoring Peter right there in front of the other ten. And, and he's, he's getting at the pride of Peter. Because in, in Peter's prideful outbursts after the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, Peter did indicate that he loved Jesus more than all the others. Because even if all the others would, would deny him and run, he would not. So it's, it's as if Jesus is, is testing the depth of the work that this process and and I think we we have to look at it this way this this was a process that Peter had to go through it it was a relatively short one <laughs> as processes go but this process was was to kill the pride of Peter and bring forth uh, a leader who would walk 
with a limp. And it did. It. Peter would never look at himself the same way again. Before this process, Peter was quite probably the most sure of himself of all the twelve. After this, well, we're, we're going to see here in just, just a minute. Now, the, the question that Jesus asks, we, we don't have the, <clears throat> the detailed language to adequately um, show that difference, that distinction in, in English, because we just have one word for love. And so Jesus is asking Peter, do you, when he said, do you love me more than these? Do, do you have the, the complete commitment to me? The agape love. Complete and utter commitment. Do you, do you have that for me more than these? And, and Peter's response was, Probably looking down, yes, Lord, you, you know that I have friendly affection for you. Because he used the word phileo instead of agape in his response. Before this process, he would have responded quite differently. He would have said, absolutely, I have more complete and utter dedication and commitment to you than any of these other guys. Make no mistake, I am your man. But now he's responding quite differently. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And so he, he already passed the first test. As he's no longer comparing himself to show the others in an unfavorable light as he would have done before. He, he, he didn't even mention the comparison in his response. So Jesus doesn't have to go there again. And Jesus asks him the same question. Do you have complete and utter commitment to me? And Peter said, Yes, Lord, you know, that I have friendly affection for you. Beginning to wonder if he even has that, I think. And 
you know, I, this, this is the work of the enemy in, in our lives. When we fail, when we show our immaturity, our weakness, the enemy says, you don't even believe in God. You don't love God. How can you think he could still use you? Well, you, you think back to Peter every time the enemy tries to throw that in your face. And finally, Jesus asks him a third time. And this, this is the most beautiful part of the whole interaction. He says, Simon, son of John, do you have friendly affection for me? He, he meets us where we are. He knows where we are. And he doesn't reject us in our failure, in our weakness, in our immaturity. He meets us where we are. And he says, okay. This is where we are. Let's go from here. And sometimes we have to go through a process to find out where we really are. Because if we think we're here and we're really here, It's hard for the Lord to take us anywhere. But he'll take us through a process that reveals to us <laughs> that this is where we really are. And he will say, okay, now we can go somewhere. And so the third time, Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? And I think maybe he was grieved. See, again, in our English language, we don't really see what's going on. I, it wasn't that he asked this question the third time, but it was what he asked the third time. Because he questioned, Peter, do you, do you even have friendly affection for me? And 
And then he said, Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I have friendly affection for you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And again, Peter's Peter's response here just showed to Jesus the depth of the success of the process, the, the depth of the success of the work of the process that he had just been through. Because Peter no longer trusts his own heart. And, and this, this is really where, where the Lord had to get him. So he, he doesn't try to justify himself. He doesn't try to present any strength in himself. He, he just he appeals to the full knowledge of the Son of God. Who, who knows everything. And, and he says, Lord, you know whether I even have brotherly affection for you. I, I don't even trust myself to, to answer you at this point. Uh, you, you, you tell me <laughs> if, if I even have brotherly affection you because I I no longer trust myself anymore I, I I don't know what's what's in my heart anymore but but you do and I mean that this is where the Lord wants to get us okay to where I I don't know What's what's in my heart, but God does. I I don't trust my my own level of commitment to to Him, but I I ask Him to make it more. I I don't know how much I I love God, but I ask Him to make it possible for me to love Him more. And this, this is someone who could, 40 days later, on Pentecost, be a different person. Who, who could speak with such power and conviction on his words that 3,000 people, probably everyone within earshot of him, said, what must we do? 
if, if this is the truth, what, what do we do? And it was, it was only someone who had no faith in his own ability anymore. But, but someone who now knew the love of God and the commitment of God to him in a way that he never would have fathomed before he went through the process. And, and this, is, this is what the Lord wants for us. To, to get us to the place where we, we don't trust anything but him. And just the, the last words that, that Jesus said, follow me. And in, in every one of the three parts of their conversation, Jesus reaffirms Peter's calling and destiny. Jesus asks the question, Peter responds, and Jesus says, Feed my lambs. As he had, he had given them the kingdom already. And then the second part, he says, tend, tend my sheep. And then after the third question and answer, he says, feed my sheep. So three times, Jesus confirmed to Peter your calling, your destiny is intact. It didn't depend on you nearly as much as you thought. It depends on God. And now, may the God of peace himself sanctify us completely. And may our whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he who calls you is faithful. And he will surely do it. That, uh, that last song...
that we sang tonight. Um, I, I could see Peter singing that song. Your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, but alive in your hands. Majesty. Majesty. Forever I am changed by your love in the presence of your majesty. And, and Peter, at the end of this process, he, he knew the love of God in a way that he, he never did before. Even though he had heard all the teaching, but this, this process went to the absolute depth of who he was. He, he had so much self-confidence, confidence in himself. And, and Jesus said, you don't need any of that. You, you just have confidence in me. And you'll fulfill your destiny. Hmm. Here I am, humbled by the love that you give. Forgiven so that I can forgive the one who thought 77 times was like <laughs> nobody could ever do that. <laughs> or seven times, actually. And Jesus says, how about 70 times seven? <laughs> you know, I, I really think we ought to close with this song. And I just invite you to thank the Lord for his processes. And, and understand you guys come up. <sighs> he didn't give me this one until just this moment.
<clears throat> understand and thank him that his processes are never never meant to disqualify us ever Because if they ever were, this would have been one. After Peter thought he had failed the whole process, God had to come and show him, <laughs> no, you, you actually succeeded. <laughs> because what, what I was looking for <laughs> as an outcome of this process, I just saw it. <laughs> so let's, let's sing this song. revelation that the Lord gave me before that song. <laughs> that the Lord's processes that he takes us through are, are never meant to disqualify us. I'm, that, that's a life-changing revelation. So when the Lord has us in a difficult process, we, we can speed it up. We can ask that question that the people who heard Peter's message in Acts chapter 2, Lord, what must I do? What, what, are, what are you trying to bring forth? 
so I can cooperate with you. Because he's, he's never trying to disqualify us. He's, he's always trying to qualify us for the next thing. So Lord, teach us to ask you the right questions and to cooperate with what you're doing in difficulty. And Lord, thank you for your love that, that is absolute, utter commitment to us. Uh, give us greater revelation of that for your glory.